0: In honor of, for those who know him as Dr. Kenneth Talbot, but I call him Captain. (laughs) A commercial. Of which, probably if I had to do it in thinking how he would want me to do it, he would probably say, now, just speak up. Don't smack your lips, and please pronounce the word ask. Hmm. As everyone knows, I have been going through the book of John, the Gospel of John, more appropriately, and we will be taking a break from that. Uh, In particular, as I have discussed with the remaining pastors, we are going to make an approach, um, especially given the recent circumstances with Ken's passing. Therefore, today, I'm going to bring us to light in regards to these certain circumstances that behoove all men. And I've titled it, And the living takes it to heart. Our scripture text, if you have your Bibles, is Ecclesiastes 7. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 5. Here now the reading of God's holy word. A good name is better than good oil. And the day of one's death... Is better than a day of one's birth. By verse two, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every person. And the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For when a face is sad, a heart may be happy, the mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of the fool is in the house of pleasure. Shall I now let the Lord our God in prayer? Father, we do thank you for the Sabbath day that you've given us, and we are indeed mindful that we know what befell us. We are of great need. And the fact that you still care for your people. And from the point of their infancy to the point to which they take that end, we know that you continue to be with your people. For when doing this, Lord, we know that it's just the beginning. So be with your servant as he teach and feed your sheep. And let them have a childlike love and a willing mind to receive your word. In Christ's holy, precious name we pray. Amen. So I yield my introduction to Genesis 3. For our four parents disobeyed God, and upon which they had their eyes open. And then upon the sound of the Lord God walking, quote-unquote, in the garden in the cool of the day, They, being wise in their own eyes, the man and wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And then upon which, calling them from hiding to stand face to face with him. God, after giving all the admonishments to the serpent, then the wife looks on to Adam and say, these words. At which we begin at verse 17 in Genesis 3. Cursed is the ground because of you. With hard labor you shall eat from it. All the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. Yet you shall eat the plants of the fields. By the sweat of your own face you shall eat bread. Until you return to the ground, because from it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, upon hearing this, it is a, m- a reminder to every man, woman, and child, no matter what, when the time will come, the Lord God will call, and they will return to the ground but the voyage of this drudgery that we call life on this earth. Some, looking at death with humanistic intent, will say, well, this is the end. But, ho, 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 I'm here to tell you, au contraire, mon Mofuel, this is just the beginning. And now, to those who are not familiar with the inner workings of the reformed presbyterians the majority of us would hold to a confessional standard it is as you will state our statement of faith those within this particular office and this presbytery and this assembly hold to the westminster confession of faith ratified by 1647 and i say this because i do not know who and when who will be listening to this or hearing this or even if you're sitting here why we believe what we believe but do not take from when we consider our statement of faith as it will usurp the bible because we do believe our master and savior when he states so eloquently and beautifully in Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock and by verse 26 and everyone who hear these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and its collapse was great We hold to our confessional standards with great regard for this reason. It allows us from the officers of the denomination, the presbyteries, to the laymen who sit here under our care. No matter what ideologies come our way, we can articulate and defend the Bible. So much so, we are obedient to our master when he states, when you hear the words of him and act on them. So of which I bring your attention to these standards by chapter 32, section one, a, which agrees with the intro, but now conveys by the working of the divines with more clarity. The bodies quote after death returns to dust and see corruption. Now, Let me add on further, for through the dispensation of time, through the working of the men moved by the spirit to write, we understand the dichotomy of man, the concept of body and soul, of which was first introduced in Genesis 1 verse 7. Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living person now note i will provide you the harmony because as of which solomon was state by ecclesiastes 12 verse 7 he was not alive when moses wrote the pentateuch but he can speak with clarity and harmony to show the agreement with Moses. He states by verse 7, then the dust will return to the earth as if it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. You see here, brothers and sisters, this adage shows that God will make known and clear in the scriptures what it is meant for us as Adam's posterity to know and what to believe. To this, the divines finish section one, and I read you A through C, but their souls, which neither die or sleep, have an immortal substance and immediately return to the God who gave them. There is harmony and clarity. What God has made known to the people should be understood because it's to our benefit. And I mean, in presenting this to you now, we do agonize as Adam's posterity that we will experience this death from the highest officer no matter what land you seem to be in to the fellow who sits on the park bench who seeks his first meal by looking at the crumbs on the floor they all too will take to the fall that bestowed Adam's posterity so then upon understanding the condition of which we will achieve. I bring you now to John 11. For I want to note to have the Messiah and all his glory beheld amongst his creation face to face. He visited the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And now the woman can only see corruption of sin for what has taken hold of their loved one. Lazarus. But note what our Lord says well in John 11. This sickness is not meant for death, but for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Hmm. So surely the sisters, after witnessing the miracles by the Lord's hand, expected that he would do the same. For Lazarus, forgiven by verse number five in John 11, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and also Lazarus. But note by verse 36 and 37, of which some considered that he even opened the eyes of a blind man. So surely he would not let this man see death. Well, death would overcome Lazarus. And though the Lord departed from them, he was not too far, for his voyage was only two days apart, and of which he risked to go back to the village being killed. Those verses give antidote by verses 8 and 16 in John 11. But note, taking the risk, Knowing full and well what was to come, he took the voyage anyway to show that the Son of God will still be glorified. Now, by our Lord's arrival, by verse 17, Lazarus has already been in the tomb four days. And by verse 19, many were in attendance to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. Now, of which the stage is being set, and upon which now Martha starts a discourse with the Master. Now, note what she says in kind by verse 21 Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. By verse 22, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. You know, In this day and adage, what she said was actually considered tongue-in-cheek because he visited two days before. Did you not see our brother suffer? Where were you? But in a charade, oh, even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Oh, the irony, the flippant attitude the insincerity that martha has towards the master so to show consistency from two days before well actually four days when he stated to her by verse four and i will read it to you again this sickness is not meant for death but is for the glory of god so that the son of god may be glorified by it by Verse number 23, he plainly states it to her. Your brother will rise from the dead. Huh. But does that satisfy Martha? No, the charade must continue. For she states by verse number 24, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Ha, huh. now he's fed up. Now he he can't take the charade any longer so by the declaration, he makes it by verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even if he dies. Even if he dies. Even if he dies. If he, dies. he expressed to her, that, no longer will I tolerate your charade. And no longer will you presume you believed, so you claim to have learned what the rabbis and the Pharisees taught you. And even in 12, given that John, the apostle, is writing this in his gospel, their charades two days earlier by verses 12 through 16 will not also be tolerated. He continues by verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Upon this, he asked her the question, do you believe this? By the affirmative, she answers by verse number 27. Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into this earth. Witnessing this adage, is it to say that our Lord does not empathize with his creation? For they only know death. The answer is no. And is it to say that we as overseers do not have sympathy for those who suffer? For we as bishops are called to care for those who mourn. The answer is also no. Our Lord states very well in Matthew 5 verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It is then I bring your attention back to John 11, to which after Martha calls on Mary. Mary makes great haste and those also who was consoling her after hearing that the master is not too far. And unlike Martha, who has a charade at his coming, Mary, oh Mary, states by verse 32, she came and fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But our Lord, having empathy, And the Jews that was with her, they all weeped. By verse 33, when Jesus saw her, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. For to him, after the order of Melchizedek, he is a high priest who's able to sympathize with our infirmities, of which as they were leading him, to where Lazarus was buried by verse 35. He weeps. As he stands in front of the tomb with an audience of many there, he commands that they move the stone. But Martha, oh Martha, through her charade again by verse 39, Lord, by this time, there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. (laughs) Now, after telling her once, plainly telling her twice, by taking to the affirmative by verse 25, and in taking that she understood by verse 27, you can understand of which the tone the Messiah makes by verse 40. Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Then, upon which they realized, There is no more discussion, and they moved the stone. Upon hearing his elevated, firm, authoritative tone, the stone is now removed. And after a prayer to his father, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And by verse 44, out came the man who died, bounded hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Our Lord takes the form of man. God the Son takes the form of man and walks amongst his own and he beheld his glory. John 1, 14. And unlike Moses, who wanted with the greatest earnest to behold the glory of God, the Lord could not be tainted with sin. So he put Moses in the cleft of the rock and covered him with his hand while he passed by. Exodus 33, 20 through 23. As you saw in John 11, Martha beheld the glory. She spoke to him face to face. And she knew of the resurrection and his teachings, but did not believe and doubted. But little did she and also those in attendance understood. It was just the beginning. It's just the beginning because the work of the resurrection is to all men. For everyone, the elect and unelected, our confession articulates articulates it well by stating in section, I'm sorry, in chapter 32, section three, the bodies of the unjust shall be by the power of Christ be raised to dishonor the body of the just by his spirit on to honor. And to be made comfortable to his own glorious body, our Lord explains it with absolute clarity. He states, "Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all are in the tomb. Who will hear his voice? And he will come out. Those who did not—it's like those who did good deeds—to a resurrection of life. Those committed the bad deeds—to a resurrection." Of judgment. And mind you, after the, our Messiah states this, especially in John 5, the disciples follow suit, of which Luke writes in Acts 24 15. He states how Paul is speaking before Governor Tertullius. He states by verse 14, actually, That, But I confess this to you, that in accordance with the way that they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and what is written in the prophets. And by verse 15, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So our Lord showed death will be conquered. But in the likewise, what den do we make of ourselves, especially as we see our loved ones return to the ground? To those listening with a humanist intent and attitude, your hope is absolutely nothing. For all you do is grasp at the wind. Ecclesiastes 1.13-14 It is a sorry task with which God has given the sons of mankind to be troubled. By verse 14, I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun. And behold, all is fealty and striving after the wind. But <laughs> to, those, to those who believe all the things that were written about Christ, In the law of Moses, and the prophets, and the Psalms, to those who which he opened their minds to understand the scriptures that the Christ would suffer and rise on the third day and then ascend to sit at the right hand of the Father, to those who have been gifted the fruit of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, of which it will be proclaimed in his name, and it will be claimed not to you, But to all nations, to you, I say, persevere. Why do I say persevere? It goes back to our scripture text. A good name is better than good oil. Romans 5, 3, verse 4. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. You came in this world naked, and naked you shall return. So what can you do? You built up resources, you built up a family, but all you take with you when you return is your name. And what good is a name if those you leave behind have nothing to say for it? Now, in this perseverance, of which it leads to proven character and to hope, it enables us to re- rid ourselves of every obstacle, especially considering our faith as Christians. And that sin should no longer easily entangle us. For by Hebrews 12 verse 1, therefore we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Therefore let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so entangles us and let us run the endurance, the race that's set before us. For if we run with endurance the race that is set before us. We would not be like the humanists as they strive after the wind. 1 Corinthians 9, 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty so I fight, I not as the one who beateth the air. But upon death, with a good name, mind you, you assure yourselves and others that you kept the faith. James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown we will receive is an unperishable crown. 1 Corinthians 9:25. Everyone who competes in the games exercise self-control in all things so they do not so they do obtain a do not obtain a perishable wreath but an imperishable one and the crown is encompassing of all those who passed with the faith in Christ from those of the old testament unto now for Christ is the award giver And he is the first fruits of those who are asleep, especially those who are of Christ at his coming. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 9. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but those who, I'm sorry, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. In our perseverance, he will show to people around us the reputation of our name. And especially for those who are no longer with us, that reputation Can continue, especially if you knew at what point you came across the person, for I can tell you, of the many who are here today in attendance, and for the one we've lost, many of us have a special connection. To one who came in his mid-twenties was in college and made visits here and there, but stood with him until the end of which he was able to see him grow and have a family. To one who left everything that he had upon one phone call knowing how important it was to be under his teaching He even brought his parents to one who came with his future loved one and to have his home broken and rather fall and shy away, he stood fast in the faith, understanding, feeling well, the importance that it was in regards to now taking on an office, he see true the impact that your faith in Christ would have. And to one who came to know him and uh, did not know the gravity of where he would be today, to see how far he's come, to the many counseling and conversations we had about bringing up one's life, to calling the young gentleman seeing full and well that he had a future in being an officer. For at such a young age, he saw wisdom that the young man did not know he possessed. And to show that forward, (laughs) that he was able to shape a young man's worldview. That's what's in a good name. That's what's in a good name. So therefore, beloved, for all our fallen loved ones, they suffer no more, because they get to behold the glory of God, face, to face. They beheld the glory of God, face, to face. And if you are in Christ, you will be able to behold that glory. And as I conclude, Taking Ecclesiastes 7 into consideration here, I conclude again with this. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Because as one ventures to the house of mourning, than to go to the house of feasting, they will always realize death is the end of every person. And the living takes death to heart. <laughs> but for the Christian, death is only just the beginning. Shall I now let the Lord God in prayer?